Welcome to the Max Finance Podcast, where a certified financial planner and personal finance geek discuss how to make intentional financial decisions that maximize your money and achieve your goals. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Max Finance Podcast. Uh, Today, uh, we'll be chatting about what are the actionable steps that you can take as you're preparing yourself and your family for having a child or having the next child. And there are all sorts of things that you can think about to to start putting in order, uh, whether that be on the well, life insurance side, the estate planning side, the uh, making sure your health insurance is all squared away. You know, if it's your first child, uh, are you in a good area for school districts? What are you going to do about the school? And and I'm sure all sorts of other things. Um, and thankfully, one of us, uh, the the pair here, is actually a parent. Uh, myself, not yet, but but Lauren, you are a parent. I guess before we dive into stuff like the actionable side, maybe talk a little bit about um, maybe just your mindset, like dare we go into the emotional side you know how did you feel like before and after uh you know isla came into the picture sure let's see okay so yeah i am a father of uh my daughter isla she is uh, about three and a half um let's see what was my mindset going into it were you Um, worried were you were you excited were you stressed were you all of the above I guess a little bit choice. of everything. Yeah. yeah. I think there was definitely a lot of anxiousness and nervousness, mostly just around, you know, maybe not having that same sort of freedom of time and, and sort of uh, just lack of responsibility and being able to to kind of be very, very spontaneous and things like that. Um, but um and you're three and a half years into the job yeah and and if you reflect back i mean is it is it is it second nature now do you were those were some of those concerns that you had initially unfounded or were there new things that you didn't even expect that came into the picture yeah i don't think any of those concerns were really unfounded per se like i definitely you know, certainly notice that when you become a parent, you are responsible for someone else's life. And obviously in the very beginning, that the person can't really do anything without you, right? Like, or without your, without your, uh, without your other parent or whoever your partner is, hopefully you have, you know, you have a partner. Um, and as they get older and over, obviously they can do a little bit, a little bit more without you, a little bit more without you. And hopefully one day there's a point in time where, you know, they are a, a a self-sufficient human being um, and uh, you don't need to take care of them anymore and maybe hopefully you don't need to worry about them. But um, obviously, uh, um, so anyway, I think that happens obviously very gradually. Um, But I think over time, you like one thing that you sort of expect as a parent, but you really can't um, understand or just really anticipate is just your feeling of connection to to that to that child right um and the things that they say or that they do and when they imitate you or repeat things that you say or you see them behaving in a way that's similar to you like all these things are just um it's hard to describe how that makes you feel sort of thing and so that bond and connection is something that you kind of expect in some ways but it's really hard to say how you how that makes you feel and you know you can maybe compare it to like having a pet but 
you know, maybe like 5% that maybe having a pet is like 5% of that. And I'm sure a lot of, hopefully I'm not trying to say that, um, pets are not great. We have a cat we love our cat very much, but you know, it just, um, that level of interaction and I think is just not the same. So, um, so yeah, obviously a lot of amazing things about having a child. And so, um, you know, absolutely no regrets. And, you know, there was obviously for me personally, like I kind of wanted to, to wait and wait and wait and my wife definitely kind of pushed us or said like now is, is time. And I'm really glad she did. Cause I, I agree with her that it really was the right time. Um, for us and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome and it's been a great, been a great journey and um you know obviously you're still very very early on but it's, it's been amazing yeah and, and fair to say that perhaps your life changed at that point uh when she was born and, and onward like that that uh for the better obviously there's a lot of sacrifice required like you're saying to to, to make it work um but uh and, and obviously there's evolution here like you're saying and and as she's growing up and and uh uh, yeah, more of a, more of her personality is starting to show. So, uh, net, uh, net huge benefit, uh, in relation to, uh, cause obviously when you think about it from a, from a financial perspective, um, you know, I remember, you know, a lot of my clients say, you know, Hey, we want to have ch- children or, um, you know, I, I've even gone so far as they've asked me, uh, you know, which is a very uncomfortable position to be in, by the way, when uh, let's develop a scenario where we look at, well, we have children and then we don't have children. Mm-hmm. How does that, you know, impact finances? And mm-hmm. so, I mean, uh, you know, this is a crazy, crazy take, but obviously they're going to be more costly. They're not, they're not like bringing in revenue. So sure. uh, from a financial perspective, it's, it's not uh that's not really the lens I think you should look at it, but there are some financial pieces that we can talk about that are important or financial uh, tangent and tangential, um, uh, you know, that, that are important to think about. Well, let me ask you this. Were you the type to like kind of research and, and do a lot of like, did you read a bunch of books before you became a parent? I mean, I, I've, I've no uh, parents that are, uh, you know, go on, that's one end of the spectrum where they just try to read everything, just be prepared as much as they can. And then others are like, you know what, I feel okay. And, and I'm just going to kind of not necessarily wing it, but, but, you know, we'll see what, what, what comes uh, my way when it, when it happens. Yeah. Um, probably more of the latter. I think there weren't too many books that we read ahead of time. I mean, I think, um, we did take some, I trying to think if we had to take some classes, I, I'm trying to think of why or how it, we did take some some classes. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of. I feel like it was part of some sort of curriculum or, or something. I it really escaped me. But there were a few classes that we took uh, before before I was born. Um, there was a couple just like on the basics of breastfeeding. Um, there was a class on like infant CPR sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I really have a heart. Maybe they were optional, I guess. Maybe they were optional, but highly kind of recommended by, I guess, the hospital that we that we that we're planning on giving birth at. Um, so yeah, there were a few classes that we took. There maybe three or four hours each or something like that. Um, but other than that, there weren't like there wasn't a lot of research or things that we did ahead of time. Um, I think throughout time, it's more about if there's a particular 
issue or question that we had, then we would seek out that information. You know, I think that's obviously, you know, the, the, you're most likely to retain something when you have a need for that knowledge rather than just kind of reading all this general knowledge and trying to draw upon it when it comes along. But I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty common, but pediatricians get had often provide this, uh, American Pediatric Association, like handbook. It's like super thick and it's free and it's like a very, very thick thing. And it kind of covers from age of zero up to four or five of, you know, um, just all of the basics about eating, sleeping, uh, and then obviously these are older, more behavioral kind of things. And, it, and it's kind of good. It kind of provides some rough guides of like, when should they be talking or doing these things? And if they're not doing these things by this age, what does that mean and stuff? So we would we consult that maybe every like six months or something, just kind of like see if like, you know, where she is compared to things and how to encourage certain behaviors. But there's very few parenting books that we've, we've read really. Um, there were a few podcasts that we had started to like, but you know, honestly, I think we've been really lucky. Like, I think um, it keeps we we say this a lot to each other, but we've been very lucky. I think like our daughters always slept really well. Um, sleep, you know, ever since we like put her in her room after after about one years old, she like sleeps throughout the night, hardly ever wakes up. Um, you know, I guess potty training was the most recent one where we did a little bit of research. Like, I talked to um, some recent parents of how they did that. Um, I think there was it was like a short ebook that someone had sent us that we read. Um, and yeah, I mean, it worked out really well. And you know, she was potty trained just in, in just a few weeks, and there hasn't been too many issues since then. Um, so I think um, you know, I think you have to part of it is just to like understand your child you know you know you know your child best right and so you know when they're ready for something or what they need um and so but overall i think we've been pretty fortunate we haven't had to like seek out help or really try to solve any real glaring issues um so so overall we're kind of just learning as we go yeah that's um yeah i think that's a very pragmatic approach especially you know you've got a full-time job and and this is maybe a question more about costs but but just in general did you knew uh out the gate that you both would be working um obviously there would be a period of time where uh, i think you both had time away where you can um be with isla but how how did i'm just curious how did those conversations go of did it ever cross your mind like well maybe uh one of us can take a step back from work for a period of time yeah, I don't think we honestly really ever considered that very strongly. Um, and by the I way, think, I don't blame you because yeah. you live in the Bay Area, so it's yeah. very, very expensive. You know, but even before we had our child, we had a goal of, of retiring early, though. So, I mean, that's definitely a factor is just um, giving up one of our incomes would be a, would be a significant, would just lengthen that time horizon. Um, you know, um yeah i don't know it's not something we, we, we seriously considered i think um at the time i think i was i think when when i was born like i was you know kind of earning you know a bit more than like maybe like i don't know kind of the primary earner of our family but definitely not like the only earner um and it definitely wasn't something that like I know, um, like Anna wasn't interested in in being a stay at home mom or just or being at home all the time. And I think maybe if out of the two of us, I'm probably someone that'd be more interested in doing that. But I think just due to like, you know, 
maybe me providing like more than half of our income. It wasn't something that um, they seemed like not it certainly was it would be possible but it just wouldn't necessarily seem kind of of worth it given our goals um but uh yeah i think for, we were fortunate that we both got a good amount of time off from our, our our work um to spend time with her so we each got about i think like 14 weeks or something like that so okay. um so we took off some time like maybe six i think we both took off or yeah she like Anna took off her um all of her stay just kind of straight. And then I took off maybe like six or eight weeks to start. And then when she went back to work, I took off the remainder of mine. So that was really great. I mean, gave me to spend that time with her. And so it was really, really amazing. And so obviously, you know, being able to spend more time would have been really great. Um, but yeah, we, we chose to both continue working. Um, and um, yeah, and so far did, it's worked, it's worked out. Did you like that, that, that strategy of, of, when you talk about planning the, 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 the maternity or paternity leave, um, that the way you did it, did you feel like the way you did it was optimized and, and, and probably worked out the best relative to any other. It depends you what you're optimizing. It, it depends on what your job is or what your company is like and the culture. I mean, fortunately we're, we're both at companies where there was a, a very family friendly culture, like very much encouraged to take all the time off, you know, all everyone who has a child pretty much always takes all their time off. Um, I think, and so, yeah, we chose to sort of, I think absolutely like you both want to take time off when the child first arrives. I, I would imagine, especially if it's your first one, you know, maybe if you have your second or third child, maybe <laughs> not so necessary. You're I an guess, expert at but, that point. Um, yeah. I think. How did you determine six weeks that you took? out the gate or is that what you said you both well took? i think i remember coming and saying some of my coworkers like i was gonna take four and they're like don't know that's not nearly enough i was like okay so i think i did eight or something i don't quite remember um but yeah there i don't know it was just talking to other kind of uh parents um and just kind of seeing the look on their face when i tell them a number or something i think <laughs> um so yeah um but you know i think um it yeah, I, I don't know. We were lucky, I guess, but it wasn't as, yeah, the first few days were like, everything was like, okay, we got to figure it out together. But I think after just a few weeks, like we could manage, you know, half a day or a day or under. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, with um, my wife was, was breastfeeding our daughter to start, like obviously she had to be around a lot more mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. I had to be around and just from a kind of biological standpoint. Um, mm -hmm. But uh yeah, so I think yeah, we I think I did six weeks off, and then then I went back to work, and then after she went back to work, I went the remainder, and uh, yeah, I think it worked well overall. I think it was definitely a bit challenging with regards to kind of scheduling work and responsibilities, you know, like having a big time period off, coming back for a little bit, and then going back off again. Like it made that kind of period in between kind of awkward. For you know, I was working for like two months and stuff, mm -hmm. um, and so my in my line of work, it wasn't it wasn't but that that was so that was a little bit challenging. But I think when, with, with regards to, you know, us getting to spend as much time with our daughter as possible. Yeah, I think that was great. Um, and I, I really also appreciate having that individualized time with her. Like when, when Anna went back to work and it was just my daughter and I, like that was really great. Just being able to have that time and really get to know each other well. Because um, I think it, it can be potentially easy if, you know, if both parents are always there that for one parent to sort of 
kind of bear the brunt of the caretaking, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that can be the mother if they're breastfeeding, for instance. Um, so I really appreciate that. Like, you know, if, if you're the only child, if you're the only parent at home with the kid, you have to learn how to do everything, right? It's mm-hmm. not like it's hard, but you have to change the diapers. You have to feed them. You have it's to change everything. It's not that dependent on somebody yeah, else. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And so I really enjoyed that time of being able to, you know, we, you know, visit all over the city, you know, with, with, with her. And so we took her to swim, like, classes when she was really young and it was just great to just to be out um you know on on, during the week um with her and stuff like that so really enjoyed that now i won't take you through the whole uh process here but i I just was curious now after that period of time when you're off of uh your your leave is is no more you've got to integrate some level of child care as well um Again, it's kind of more on cost, and it's highly dependent on where you live. We don't necessarily have to talk too much about that, but just curious your thought process as you're going through that, uh, you know, decision making process of where to even uh, send her or have somebody come in or or some hybrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if we really closely or strongly considered any sort of individual like nanny or anything like that um part of it is definitely cost i think also i think that the other the thing is we just wanted to have her in an environment when she's around other kids as well like that was important i think just to kind of socialize her from a young age and so i think when she's in a in like, when they're in a daycare they're not just around other kids but they're on uh, around other multiple adults typically not just rather than just one nanny or something like that um and it just also seemed a little bit more maybe reliable right i mean like you know it's uh you know like your nanny can get sick or something like that or sometimes they have to they have to travel and take time off and surely daycares take time off as well but they're a little i'd say maybe a little bit more reliable but Anyway, cost is also a, a definitely a factor. Um, I think, you know, the cost of a nanny where we live in the Bay Area is probably twice as much a month or something, at least, for, than, than, than the daycare. Um, but, uh, but yeah, finding daycare was, was not super easy. We were looking in San Francisco, and I don't know when exactly we started looking. I feel like it was, I don't know, just a month or two after she was born or maybe at when she was born even. So, and we were looking for when she was, she was going to be approximately, let's see, we do have to go 14 weeks out. I think she was about like six or seven months old when we were looking for it. So yeah, maybe like six months in advance, we were looking for places and there wasn't like, it's just, it's hard. It's competitive, not competitive in the way like you have to, com- I mean, I guess you have to compete, but it's mostly just like long wait lists um, just because yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot of spots available for infants um, just due to kind of strict rules about how many caretakers there can have to be for a certain number of infants. So it was a bit it was a bit hard. Um, we ended up finding a place that we did like, but the location was a little bit far from us, kind of in the wrong direction from where like our jobs were. But um, yeah, we were, she was there for a while until until kind of COVID came. Um, we did like it until, until it happened. So um, yeah. Yeah, so it was, um, and that's that was a common thing that I've heard is is that uh, getting on these lists as early as you can. Uh, I don't think you can do that when they aren't born yet, but maybe just starting that process to, to the extent you have any bandwidth whatsoever at that point, um, probably good to to at least uh, maybe have a, a identify before 
the child's in the picture, like what are some options that you can potentially go to and what are the rough costs there? Um, yeah. And, and like you say, it could be just constrained by cost, just depending on, on where you live and how much you earn. And, and uh, you know, there, uh, yeah, obviously there can be a circumstance where it makes a lot of sense to have one spouse or partner um, stay at home, just given the economics of childcare costs. So, um, again, t- totally dependent, I think, on where you're living. Um, but yeah, that having a, a rough idea and then uh, kind of moving forward on the timeline. Also, what do you do in terms of schooling? Um, are you in an area where there are, you know, good schools or that, that, that you, you would say that are good schools or, uh, are you in an area where really the only option is either, uh, you know, pr- some level of private school, mm-hmm. um, in your own case, was that something that was a big factor in, in where you're living? Um, to either move not, to another area not, altogether, not or? immediately. No, right? Because you've got you know, some tip- time, <laughs> right? Typically, kids have to be about five or so till they can start kindergarten. So you really have at least, well, maybe not quite five years. I mean, maybe you need to move before the school year starts or something like that, but. Yeah, I mean, well, they have to be at least five by September, I think, now. And it, that might be changing. I think it will, in California, they're offering kind of, I think, transitional kindergarten to younger children. Um, so I think in a few years, as early as four, maybe you could start kind of public school. Um, but yeah, you definitely have still several years where, you know, they'll they'll need to be in some other some, some other kind of caretaker um, until, until that age. So, um, but, you know, if uh, if we were buying a house during that time period, for instance, or, you know, that would certainly be a consideration. You know, I wouldn't, we wouldn't want to like, you know, move or buy a house and then just buy it and then move and have to buy another house two or three years later. Like that would not be fun or, or you know, that'd be pretty, pretty um, cost prohibitive. So, but yeah, we were, we were renting um, and we were happy with where we were living and we'd actually, you know, because of schooling, we were honestly kind of planning to move where we are now, which is to the uh, North Bay, Marin County. Um, my, my, my family lives here and um, I'm pretty familiar with the area. I went to high school around here um, and they have great public schools as well and just overall warmer weather, kind of closer to nature. Um, and so in back of Reds, we thought it kind of always would move up here when our daughter was going to go to school. Um, now that was kind of ex- just accelerated by by the pandemic and um, wanting to live closer to my parents who were a really big help during the pandemic and our daycare was closed. Um, and yeah, also working from home and wanting to have a little bit more space and all that stuff. So um, it did kind of speed that up a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, when your child is of age to go to school, you know, where they're going to go to school becomes... Um, something that you you probably want to spend some time figuring out and understanding the options of both, you know, public schools or potentially considering the uh, private schools, you know, or something in between, right? Sometimes, sometimes, um, well, yeah, I guess maybe they could still consider private, but kind of, uh, you know, I guess, what do we call them? But like religious schools or sometimes you can kind of find like Christian or Catholic schools mm-hmm. that are, that are not nearly as expensive as a kind of a, private uh school but um can still offer kind of maybe better education or options in the public school system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i want to go back to a thing you said um about moving closer to family um that that i think is something that a lot of people are uh uh th- that maybe a lot of people consider uh the free child care that they provide how big of a 
if if you were to take that out of the picture would that would that change the dynamic overall of of the, i mean clearly it would raise costs by what do you think it would be a substantial margin or do you think it's just more of a convenience factor of not having to prearrange all of these things with somebody else that you may not have obviously as as deep connection with than your parents yeah that's a good question. I mean, I think, yeah, we're very fortunate that my parents live where they live. Um, or, you know, they, before the pandemic, we were about a 30 minute drive away. Now we're about 15 minutes away. And so, um, yeah, we're very fortunate just because I know like a lot of my coworkers, for instance, um, you know, most of them didn't grow up in the Bay Area and, and moved here for work. And so their parents, they don't have parents or family around. So when they, you know, start a family, like they're really on their own. Um, and so, yeah, for us, I think it's, it's, um, I honestly think the pandemic actually brought us a lot closer, like not, not just physically. I mean, I guess both, but like, you know, during the, when the pandemic started, um, you know, and, and then eventually when our daycare closed, um, my parents took our daughter twice a week. Um, so that was really, actually maybe it was even three times a week. I don't remember. It was two or three times a week. Um, but it was a little tiring kind of driving, you know, 30 minutes each way to, to drop her off or something like that. Um, but it also meant that we would, you know, have dinner several times a week together. And so, um, you know, we became a lot closer and saw each other much more frequently. And then you know, after about six months of doing that, we decided to move to Marin. Um, having them close, I think, has just made it so that our daughter has a really close relationship with them. And um, so that's been really awesome. Uh, I think from a financial perspective, I don't know that it made that much of a difference, to be honest, just because it's not, hasn't, it hasn't been a substitute for daycare really at all. Um, and they've, I mean, they have helped a lot, especially when our daycare is closed, for instance, like they're closed for a couple of weeks during the summertime um, or random holidays. So they do help there. And I guess, yeah, maybe on those days we might've had to uh, find alternative care for her. So there's maybe some component there, but a lot of it is like, uh, you know, we want to just, um, and I guess, yeah, we've just never had a, we've never, we've never hired a babysitter. So I guess once it's one of these things where once, if we would hire a babysitter, we would just do it more often. Um, versus now it's sometimes like, well, maybe we wouldn't even do that thing that required our daughter to go with them or something like that. So it's kind of hard to say. Um, but I think the benefits are just well beyond just kind of financial. It's just really them having a close relationship um, with the, with with her. And yeah, I think sometimes too, like if we want to go away for a weekend, for instance, like actually next weekend, we're going to just go to um, San Diego for a friend's wedding. We're not bringing our daughter. Um, I don't know who I would pay to do that, to, to take our daughter for 48 hours really. So I don't know if that's like a financial benefit, but it's more just like another, you know, Another kind of benefit that we get to spend, a, you know, just a few nights, um, kind of whatever, some in some freedom there, um, and but and know that our daughter's in good hands. And it sounds like your your parents have uh, flexibility uh, in in terms of you know whatever if something were to if you needed them to come over to help with whatever it is just for a period of time, um, they've got flexibility in their schedule too to to accommodate that. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, they're retired, but still busy with lots of things. So sure, I sure. kind of have to tell them ahead of time. But uh, yeah, uh, they've they've both been retired. So yeah, that's awesome. I know that support system is is so huge. So it it, it probably depends. Just like you say, from the um, the connection and the relationship, um, rather than being yeah, you know, like you say, states away. Um, um, yeah. So I know that that's something that weighs on on our minds as we're we're not from. Uh, 
the area. So it's a multiple, it's a, you know, couple hour plane ride, but obviously that's a whole, whole trip that they would have to schedule. So for both yeah. sets of parents on our, our side. So, yeah. um, very cool. Very cool. So maybe we get into perhaps more of the, the practical, actionable stuff and I'll, uh, quit interviewing you and putting you on the hot seat here. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, I just out the gate, I think probably the most important thing would be health insurance. Um, obviously these things are very important, but just getting them on a plan. And so, uh, we actually covered, and I don't have it off the top of my head, but we have covered an employee benefits, um, episode. Actually, it might've been the last episode, um, uh, that we recorded, but it's on the list. Um, and so yeah, talking episode more. Episode 23. Episode 23. Okay. Yeah. yeah episode so. 23. So yeah, feel free to, to tune in on that one after this one. But um, yeah, health insurance uh, can look very different uh, when you're trying to optimize either individually or as a couple versus a family. Um, yeah, and so so you could have a situation where uh, you know individually it makes a lot of sense to stay uh, and, and not be on a family a, 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 like a full family plan for another individual because perhaps they they treat the employee and, and cover virtually all of the cost but when you add the when you look at the family cost it can be quite expensive because uh, perhaps that's where they they stop um, thoughts on how to optimize I mean at the end of the day I think you have to kind of look at not only what the cost is, but what exactly do you get? Um, I know there can be a lot of advantages of having, for example, um, maybe one individual in the household have a high deductible health plan, and then they're contributing to an HSA potentially, and then mm-hmm. another is, uh, you know, got that the uh, their ch- child or children on their plan, and uh, maybe it's a lower deductible plan uh, relative to the other one. Yeah, I mean, I think it really just depends on what. Um, what's, what's available, what's offered by your employers. Um, like, you know, both my wife and I work and we have pretty good health plans from both our employers. Um, I've been on a high deductible health plan for, for a while. Um, she, she's not, she tends to see the doctor more, much more frequently. Um, and so for the most part, I think our daughter's always been on, on her health plan. Um, but uh, I think for a while, our daughter actually had insurance through both our, our our insurance cares. And like going into that, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. But then it actually turned out to be a real pain because, I don't know, they turns out insurance companies want to fight about who's who's <laughs> responsible for what. You have to like keep sending them. I don't know. You have to like, yeah, it actually, I wouldn't recommend that. Did um, they know about each other? <laughs> yeah, I, I forget why. I don't or know if like a central database or something or... I yeah I don't remember how but they would like ask, um, and there's some there's some rule I remember like looking up about like how it's determined which which healthcare they always there's always like one that's like a primary one and one's a secondary one. I think it might have to do with like the birth date of the parent or something weird. I don't know. There's there's some hmm. logic for determining what's a primary, what's a secondary one. It wasn't um, like which one was enrolled first would be the primary. I don't remember. Probably but, um, not as, as easy I as I do. That. I do remember like just, for, you know, for, for folks or who are like, you know, as soon as you have your child, like your child is covered at least under the, like if this is like a natural birth or, you know, like a, I don't know, like a biological child that you're having, like they're covered under your, under the, the mother's uh, health insurance for 
some number of days, either it's like 30 or something, or maybe even more um, days under that coverage kind of automatically, you don't have to add them as a dependent immediately there. Um, so you have that grace kind of grace period to then do that. And it's fair um, to say too, that it's a qualifying event. So for both parties, and so right. you don't have to, to schedule the birth around uh, open enrollments. Right. And then you can, yeah, you can obviously then change your health insurance or something according to that type of those types of things. Um, so, you know, but I think overall, like, actually, you think of like a, a child maybe being kind of expensive for health insurance, but I mean, it depends, obviously, if your child is born, hopefully, if it's born healthy without any kind of major issues, like, um, for our daughter, yeah, there's been a lot of, you know, pediatrician visits, but they're actually pretty low cost, like, you know, for most, most, they're just kind of doctor office visits and flu shot, you know, shot, not just shot, but vaccinations and things like that. Um, just preventative work, not necessarily. Mostly about preventative, which is, mm -hmm. you know, obviously tends to be a lot cheaper than other health insurance. So, um, but yeah, so I think, you know, definitely look into, you know, the health insurance plans that both your employers offer and, uh, you know, it could be different, could be the price of adding a child could be very different per, per plan. And then, like you said, in some cases, it might make sense at that point to try to you know, put everybody on the same family plan. But it really, again, depends on the company and how much they, they want to provide for those dependents versus just the employee. Um, and yeah, in some cases it makes sense to, to have separate plans so that, you know, you can take advantage of a high deductible health plan and maybe the HSA that you can do along with it. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think it makes sense to just have like a, a, maybe a quick spreadsheet again, you know, it's not just purely cost, but listing out, um, you know, and, and employers may also put this in uh, a summary uh, in, in their open enrollment docs um, for you to, to easily compare one versus the other. But uh, yeah, just kind of a quick spreadsheet that shows, uh, you know, hey, if, if you were to put the child on this this plan versus that plan. And um, sometimes they have employee plus child, which is different than the family, which is mm -hmm. all encompassing. And then if you've got multiple children, the family could be a lot cheaper than obviously parting them out into different plans. And and then not to mention, you know, you've got depending on where you're at and, and the, the, the hospital system that you may be a part of or the insurance network they may be a part of that, uh, yeah, do you also have the the... the pediatricians that are in the area that, that you want to see is that's covered by that particular. So there's, there's different levels, but I think, yeah, by and large, it's like cost and then coverage, or that's going to be interchangeable coverage and the cost. Um, and then more about, uh, yeah, like what other uh, uh, doctors and networks that you might be a part of. So anything else that you would think on the health insurance side before we move off that? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I think, you know, like, like anything, uh, you do get there are plenty of opportunities to to make changes right either during open enrollment for you or your partner um another qualifying life event so if you don't pick the perfect one in the beginning just i mean you want to make sure that your child has health insurance beyond whatever that um kind of grace period is that's obviously really important um but don't you know you, if you if you if you if you pick the wrong one or pick one that's a little bit more yeah. expensive or don't don't kick yourself too much you'll have an opportunity to, to change it that's a good um, point yeah that's a really good point yeah it's a, you, you likely will not be in financial ruin if you don't optimize out the gate and it'll be something that uh yeah you can you can build on and learn from after that um great what what other things would you say outside of health insurance would be the next thing on the list for um people to, to, to actually do and think about as they're uh, they have they have their child into their life mm -hmm. uh 
let's see. I mean, actually, yeah, it was actually through my conversations with you around, I think, uh, probably trying to think it was, uh, I don't think when I got all this stuff done, but, um, I think it was before Isla was born that I got a, a, we got a, I got a life insurance policy. Um, that was not something that I had before that. And I felt like, yeah, having a child was kind of the right time for us to do that. Um, you know, I think obviously with the child, there's someone who fully depends on you and obviously has no ability to earn income. So if you or your partner, uh, were to pass away, like that would be very challenging for, for them. And obviously, so, um, that was something that that was really important was to was to have a, a life insurance policy. Um, so I think we talked about that maybe in episode uh, 24. We talked about uh, life insurance um, and, and term life insurance. Um, so th- that was something that I we had done. I think you know, so at, at the time, Ann and I both kind of went through the underwriting process to get qualified for life insurance. And, um, you know, just kind of based on each of our sort of our incomes and our our sort of health assessments it just kind of made more financial sense for just me to have the health the life insurance policy so um so we did that and i'm, I'm really glad we did that um it definitely just gives us kind of a peace of peace of mind um and so so yeah life insurance and the other one is just you know, we call it like an estate plan um which is you know consisting of many things but really it's sort of a bunch of documents to kind of outline what happens under various kind of scenarios right kind of ranging from um being incapacitated and not being able to make decisions to being being being, passing away and being dead and like determining who gets to make decisions um along the way um who gets um ownership of your assets and uh who takes care of your children and pets if you want <laughs> um yeah. so yeah there's kind of many parts to that but essentially as a state plan is it's like just kind of uh creating a, a a system to determine what what happens or and who has control or power to make decisions along the way yeah yeah these are these are definitely topics that you bring up that a lot of people aren't necessarily thinking front and center um but it definitely comes into mind when you when you have a child um yeah on the estate planning front there like everybody has an estate plan it's just a matter of whether or not you like the estate plan that the the state that you mm-hmm. live in which is which is largely what dictates what happens to your assets well, the, so, the state has a plan the state plan yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly that's it mean. yeah okay <laughs> so um yeah oftentimes uh, you know for the nominal fee that it it costs going to say like um like a legal zoom or some other uh trust and will willing there's all sorts of kind of online options that you can investigate where you can just at least get something and i know there's a lot of people out there who don't have anything at all which is um yeah it's 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 worth just at least writing something down and and some of the basics there include uh, just a will and uh maybe you just have a power of power of attorney for medical or financial matters and so that's probably the most basic setup um, you know, you can also, yeah, the will will, uh, you know, again, like you say, in the event that, that something were to happen to, to both of you, who steps in and, and who's the guardian? Um, that's, you know, that's obviously a, a really sad thing to think about your mortality, but it's important to, to think about it. nonetheless, you can't let that stand in the way of action and getting those set up. And, um, yeah, who's going to st- set step in for, 
uh, making medical or financial decisions. Uh, yeah, not just on your behalf, but uh, again for the for your your child as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, and and these these costs you know will change over time. But I want to say you know for to a couple hundred bucks, you could probably get all of those documents established for for both both parties. Um, for which documents like a, a will and a power of attorney. Yeah, just real basic stuff. Um, you know, and, and maybe it's, and it could make sense to establish a trust as well. But I, I think that's probably um, could be the next next level. And and you know, maybe not everybody needs a trust. Um, it depends on your financial situation. The benefit of the trust is that it allows you to avoid in most states, and it's hard to speak on all states because again, it's I don't know all fifty states a uh, state law, but. Um, Certainly in California, where you go, th- if something were to happen and the assets were, uh, you didn't have a will, uh, or even if you did have a will, you you have to go through the probate process, which basically means that the courts are going to decide and and validate the will and validate who is your executor or executrix to um, move the assets from from you, you to where they need to go, your beneficiaries. And so um, the trust, if you've got a trust in play, that allows you to avoid that that very public and uh, potentially costly process. And so in California, for example, they have a, a system where they take a percentage of assets and and uh, that can quite that can that can ramp up quite a bit. So uh, again, for the nominal fee that it costs to, to establish a trust. Now you can get really crazy and and you know most people think, oh I a trust. I mean, I got to have a lot of assets, or I have to have an attorney draft that. And they ultimately, yeah, an attorney has to draft it. But they're likely templates that you can mm-hmm. again buy through these these uh, like LegalZoom and and equivalent places. Um, and you know, maybe you're talking three, four hundred dollars uh, to set something up. Again, very basic, very uh, kind of default level, but uh, it can help you avoid probate, which is very costly. And, and, and so, uh, again, if you create them all at the same time, that's, that's a good thing as well, because they all kind of, they work together and they're set up to do that. And, and so versus having, Oh, you know, I found a free one on this website and then I'm going to pair it with this one. And, um, you know, again, you have to make sure it lines up with the state code and then, um, it, it lines up with its, each other so that there's no gaps and all of that. So uh, that could be a benefit of doing it all at once. But again, it's it's not the end of the world. People go through and evolve their their estate plan over time. Um, you know, you don't have to have it perfect out the gate. Yeah, and I think that's obviously you mentioned the benefits are you know, maybe a voting uh, probate, which can be kind of my understanding. So it can take take some time and, and cost. Yeah. But I think what's also really important too is when you spell out what you want, like you can obviously have something different than whatever the, the default the state would provide. So, um, you know, that's really, you know, for some things that, you know, what you want may be pretty similar to what you would get otherwise. But, um, you know, for instance, like in your will is where you would specify the guardians for your children. And, um, if there are, friends and friends and friends, for instance, that you think would be a great guardian, um, that's probably unlikely that that would probably happen through the state. Like, you know, they would probably try to find any, any family member to try to take the check, you know, or any like parents or something, something like that. So when you want something that's a little bit more unique to your situation, I think you, you have to spell that out in, in a will or, or whatever. So, um, or a trust. So 
um, I, I think it's worthwhile to do. Um, you know, it is it's not so that can can take some time, mostly just kind of thinking through what you want. Um, and you know, it might not. It's a little bit of a what's the word? Um, I guess not so much morbid, but you know, thinking about like what what would you want for you know, your, your partner or your child, if you were to pass, what would you want for your child? If both of you pass, what, you know, all these kind of different scenarios that are not pleasant to think about, but, um, I think it's important. And, you know, because if, and when your time comes and you have a moment to reflect on it, you, you know, ideally you, you've put some thought into it and you've kind of done as much as you can to ensure that the people that you leave behind are, you know, going to be taken care of. So, Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was, I was pretty fortunate that like, my employer had this like legal benefit that we could pay through open enrollment and, um, you know, it was like a few hundred dollars for the whole year and we were able to, uh, get an estate plan. And like I said, I think a lot of it was templates and most of our kind of requests or, or desires were pretty standard. There wasn't anything exotic. Um, so I don't think it really took a lot of time from the lawyer to, to draft up and stuff and, but, you know, once you have it, obviously, it's pretty important to review it every so often and kind of for me, made me think that there's probably something in there that I should probably review that with my wife, um, you know, soon because it's been, I think, you know, maybe four years or so since we've drafted it. And I think, you know, even since then, things have things have changed. Like we've learned more. And, um, so there are probably adjustments that, are, that we want to make. Yeah. And you can you can set them up in a way, too, where it's it's not necessarily where you have to to name the, the child. Um, right. you can set it up where it's like all future children and maybe you've got an equal split. Um, now maybe over time you may have a different feeling, feeling about things, but yeah, there's, there's ways that you don't necessarily have to adjust it every single time and, and you, you have another child, um, which is, which is an important note, um, there. Um, I think it's, it's, uh, and, and this is a lesser, um, yeah, now maybe people will start to think this will be a life event that people think about this. Um, and, and that's great. And then they'd start drafting the documents. And, but often I also see where clients will just, uh, stop, uh, maybe they've got the forms drafted, but they didn't mm. necessarily have them notarized or like a witness, uh, again, mm-hmm. depending on the state you live in, you have to have different things. So yeah, notary or, or have, have somebody there that's a witness that isn't necessarily the, the trustee on there, uh, that has a vested interest. So kind of a neutral third party. Um, so yeah, definitely important to, to, to go that, to, to actually sign the documents. It's not, it's not actually <laughs> in force until you sign the document. Um, and then not only that, but also uh, with your your accounts in general, like you're setting up your beneficiaries. So you've got the way that it, things are lined up in the estate plan, but also um, there are uh, accounts that pass by contract, uh, which you know would be like, for example, your 401k or your IRA, where or even uh, your your brokerage accounts. Uh, you know, you you can oftentimes you'll you'll put uh, each other, your partner, as the primary beneficiary, but after that then who um and so you can set up uh you know if you like say for example a trust where um you can you can note that the secondary beneficiary is this you know your very common like your last name the smith family trust or whatever um and then in there that will spell out who's the trustee and um and this is important because if they are a minor child and you pass then um you know that's already spelled out rather than again having to go through the probate process and mm-hmm. slowing down and and uh yeah yeah when maybe they need the money 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you can do with the trust. Um, yeah. What's common too is you can specify things like, you know, the beneficiaries, what are there certain conditions that have to happen before they can receive the funds? Um, you know, ideally to prevent, you know, a very, very young child from inheriting millions of dollars at a very young age when they don't have the kind of capacity to responsibly use that money for their entire lifetime like you intended it potentially. Um, so there are lots of conditions that you can uh, create to kind of do that. Um, so, but you can also get crazy with it too, and which is not a good thing as well and, and put a lot of work on your, on your future uh, trustee to kind of try to carry out those, those wishes too. So um, I think moderation is key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very good point. Um, I just wanted to also go back to life insurance real quick too. I mean, we did a whole episode on there, but I, I think in a similar vein where, again, it doesn't have to be perfect out the gate. As long as you've got something that's, I think that's better than nothing. A good starting point is uh, what do you have at work? Uh, is there anything there? Okay. Um, you know, uh, what, what debts do you have? Do you have a mortgage? Uh, I think probably be a good idea to, at the very least, uh, have your mortgage covered. Um, and so you can, uh, especially during open enrollment, probably raise your level of, um, coverage there. Um, the, the, the drawback that, so the benefit of the drawback, so the benefit may be, it may be a little bit lower cost. Um, or if you're in really good health and, and you're, you're younger, maybe it's it's not lower cost. Um, the benefit of going in the private marketplace is that uh, you know if you change jobs, you don't have to worry about changing and, and getting new 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 policies. So, uh, yeah, I think just just there's certain kind of base milestones of let's at least cover the debts, and then well, not just the debts, but like maybe you have at least a year's worth of expenses, so you're doing a little bit more than that. So. Um, and then I'll definitely don't undervalue the contribution. So if you do have a spouse that's earning less or maybe is contributing more on the family side, um, just don't don't uh, diminish their contribution as well. And so there perhaps might be a, a reason that you might uh, have, uh, again, maybe it doesn't have to be the exact same dollar amount, but something meaningful, uh, you know, whatever that means to you. So um, and and these usually come in increments of 50 or a hundred thousand. So, uh, you know, an extra a hundred thousand here or there might not necessarily drive the, the, the cost to, to some astronomical amounts, but, um, just a, a quick, you know, uh, uh, also mention about, uh, term life insurance. I, I think that it makes my personal belief is that it makes sense to buy uh, term insurance rather than buying whole life insurance, just because the cost is, can be quite different. Uh, and, and really the goal here is it's for insurance. It's not necessarily for an investment vehicle. So absolutely. Great. Um, yeah. So again, I think we, we, we spent some time talking about things that people maybe not are, are top of mind. Um, obviously there's, uh, you know, all sorts of costs that can occur, uh, but, but that's that it, it can vary greatly. Uh, in terms of what that could look like between family to family and preference and and stage, uh, you know, how old is your child? You know, uh, obviously how much they eat uh, or diapers or all of that stuff can be, you know, pale in comparison to maybe the cost related to extracurriculars when they're, you know, in middle school and they've got a, a you know, traveling sports team or or they've got a, a maybe they're they're learning a musical instrument or they've you know uh, getting tutors or whatever it may be. So, so th- those uh, items will change. I will say more generally though, across the board, when you have young children, 
you likely have other goals in the picture as well, uh, whether it be having a home or, um, yeah, just just making sure that you're set up. And in, 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 in the, 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 the financial squeeze is the most when they're young is I think the broadest kind of theme there. So I would say, if nothing else, make sure you do, if you have the capability to, to try to plan for it, plan to save more before you have the children uh, or child because uh, it, can be, it can be difficult to, to save um, materially more than if they, you know, when, when they come into the picture. So this is obviously a pretty obvious takeaway, but not. Yeah, not well, I think uh, especially if you are, uh, you know, if you're like if you're in a household where we're all both both or all the adults are, are working full time jobs. I think, um, yeah, you know, having some sort of daycare or care for your child um, up until they're old enough to go to um kindergarten like that can be a big expense if you don't have a another family member or something but you know you know if you, sometimes people live with their other family like their their parents and so the grandparents take care of their kids as a common kind of arrangement in a lot of cultures um but yeah i think that that can be a, a big a, an expense um for sure and then you know yeah through the kind of the other years there's probably definitely expenses as well i would for us it's going to be i expect it to be quite a bit less um but then yeah maybe again when when college comes around depending on on how that goes and, and what what you're willing to contribute but um i think we'll talk about that in a future episode yeah yeah that's a whole nother uh conversation so we'll, we'll save that for another time but um yeah curious what you all think um uh, this this maybe was more slanted to, for for those folks who've got younger children or don't have any children. Uh, maybe just a good starting point. I know there's a lot of resources out there that you, you could take advantage of to to just. I mean, at the very least, just just ping your network if you're not the first uh, to to take the plunge and becoming a parent. But um, yeah, like I, I, that that I think by and large has been the biggest. You know, whether it's your family that are, that have kids or. Or uh, uh, you know, your, just your network in general, like that has been a great resource for a lot of, of my clients to to tap into to see how much the uh, things can cost. Um, but yeah, let let us know what else you want to hear about this element, or were there any surprises that you had when when you were uh, um, you know raising your young children or child? So so let us know. Um, drop us a, a line at uh, feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Lauren, any any other closing thoughts on on this one, this episode? No. I think we covered it. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for tuning in and, and uh, we will see you next time. We're a new podcast and it would mean the world to us if you took a moment to write a review in the Apple Podcasts app or share this episode with a friend or family member. We'd like to hear from you. Is there a topic you're interested in? Have feedback more generally? Email us at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks and see you next time.